Thank you for joining us online today. If you have a prayer request or a testimony you would like to share with us, please text HOTL to 97000. If you would like to partner with us in giving, you can text the dollar amount to 84321. Thank you. We hope you enjoy the message and have a great day. Pastor Joey and Meredith uh, pastor a great church down in Tri-Cities. They actually had to close their church service today because of ice. And so I'm thinking you'll probably preach twice as powerful up here. And plus, you don't have to do two services, just one. You know, so I mean, don't hold nothing back, brother, okay? Anyway, would you put your hands together and give them a warm house welcome? Pastor Joey. turned on. <laughs> Only lady that can do that. It's amazing. Uh, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure to come two times. Just, it's always an honor to come the first time, but when they ask you to come the second time, um, it's always uh, a pleasure to come. I get to see some of the familiar faces, um, and you know, the first time you come, you, you're kind of like, you're looking at me, I'm looking at you, and we're kind of checking each other out. What can he do? Can he preach? Can he teach? Can he prophesy? And then I'm looking at you. Are they going to respond to me? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to see the darkest person in this place. I'm going to preach to them so they can help me out. And so, <clears throat> anyway, I just want to say you guys have some wonderful pastors and ministry team. Because it takes, it, takes, it takes a team to make things happen. Um, if you know anything I've been preaching on, on the spirit of the corporate anointing, it takes, it takes a team. And so I just want everybody that was part of the team to make Encounter happen, to stand right now, and we're going to give them, come on, some honor. Can we do that? Come on, if you're, part, if you're part of the team. Yeah, you can do better than that. Come on, tell them. I love it, I love it, I love it. Well, I, I, as Pastor said, I canceled church today because there was nothing but raining uh, ice and, and nobody could get out of the driveways. And so we sent them the link to today. So my church is watching. So we got House of the Lord in the house, House of the Lord, social media, but we also got Cornerstone Church that are watching. Yeah. So I'm excited for that. Listen, uh, God has given me uh, some things to say. Uh, it's my second book. I got another book in publishing right now that's going to help a lot of prophetic, any prophetic dreamers, any prophetic uh, people here in the house, any, only five people. Okay, well, I've got a book coming out, and it's going to help you. It's going to tell you what, what colors represent, what animals represent, what directions they represent, tell you names, because all of that is crucial when you are um, interpreting dreams or when you're learning how to prophetically prophesy to something uh, or something or someone. And so anyway, but God has given me, uh, gave me an exposition on uh, Psalms 23 and Psalms 23. Oh, you're starting my sermon time already? I thought you're going to start it when I start the sermon. <laughs> you guys are going to see a miracle today happen. 
But nevertheless, let me hurry up. Uh, but, but anyway, he's given me something to say. It's an exposition of Psalms 23. I guarantee you, you're not going to see Psalms 23 the way you, you say. Uh, David wrote Psalms 23 at the end of his life. And so how many know that David has some little, a whole lot of nuggets concerning the table, the oil, and the cup? And so I give a prophetic overview and then a practical application to it. It'll bless your heart. And we got some hats. It's our Better Together hats. My motto at Cornerstone Church is Better Together. My message is corporate anointing, what I'm here, doing here tonight. So anyway, man, I want to bless somebody. Who wants this? Come here. My African brother. Okay. Now, I don't care if anybody's yell, uh, shouting me down, but I expect you, brother, okay? I expect some extra anointings somehow to flow. If I get preaching good, just smile really good, shout. You can even stand. It'll make me feel better. And then you can help a lot of these white folks know how to do it, okay? Man. Are you guys ready? Matthew 25. Matthew 25. Verse 14 through 29 is a great portion of scripture. Again, how I do things is I give you a portion of scripture. I'm going to give you a little storyline, give you three principles, um, and then at the end, close it out. Okay, so that's how I roll. That's how I do it. And then I'm going to explain that here in a minute, and you'll understand. Matthew 25, verse 14 through 29, out of the New King James Version. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling uh, to a far country who called his his own servants had delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. According to his own ability. To each according to his own ability. According to his own ability. I'm sorry, it sounded like a broken record, but you've got to understand that. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received the two gained two more also. But he, who had like, uh, but he who had received the one went and he dug and he, he dug or he buried it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received the five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. And, and his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received the one talent came, uh, came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And, and I was afraid. I was afraid. Yeah. And I went and I hid your talent. I buried your talent in the ground. Look, there is, there is what, what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you have ought to have deposited my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I would have received back my own with interest. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, it's the principle of the kingdom, to everyone who has, more will be given. And he will have an abundance. But to him who does not have, even what he does have will be taken away and given to the other one. Numbers 26, 26 verse 59. And then all you can do is 
Pay attention here. Numbers 26, verse 59 says, The name of Aram's wife was Jehokabed, the daughter of Levi, who was born to Levi in Egypt. And to Aram she bore Aaron and Moses and their sister Miriam. Aaron, Moses, and their sister Miriam. Help me, Father. Help your people. Amen. Principle number one, truth is laid out in three dimensions. If you don't ever get anything I got to say today, this is going to help you in your journey and in your maturity as a son, daughter of God. When you read the scriptures, according, according to Proverbs 22:20, when I was 20 years old, I was fortunate enough to have prophets in my life to give me understanding. I have governed and guided my life through Proverbs 22 and 20, which states, Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and of knowledge, that I may make you to know the certainties of the words of truth, that you may answer words of truth to those who I send you to? Here it is. So, so truth is laid out in uh, three dimensions. The word excellent in the Greek is threefold. It's the threefold things. What, what are you trying to say? I'm saying that truth, that God, if God wants to real, reveal a truth to you, he's going to do it in three different dimensions so that you get it. Point, case in point, Paul the Apostle will state in his epistle in 1 Corinthians 13, he said, here abideth faith, hope, and love. Oh, and the greatest of these is the third of the threes. If you understand that principle alone, you're going to be understand a powerful thing because how God explains truth is through three dimensions and always the third one is the greatest. Case in point. So Jesus is, is wanting the children of Israel to come out of Egypt, which is bondage. They come through a wilderness into a promised land. The third of the threes is the greatest. Okay. Uh, there was three major feasts. In, in the Bible, there was the Feast of Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, and then there was the Feast of Tabernacles. The, the Feast of Tabernacles was the Feast of Ingathering, which swallowed up the other two. Are you getting this? So he tells Moses, I need you to build me an ark according to the pattern that I showed you on the mountain. So I want you to build me an outer court. I want you to build me a holy place, and I want you to build me a holy of holies. The third of the threes is the greatest, because God will always reside in the place between the cherubim in the Holy of Holies. And if you understand that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that word is you are the Holy of Holies where God resides in between your heart. And so when you understand the, that, that you're going to understand even Jesus, Jesus, Jesus will have to go through a death and will have to go through a burial. But the third of the threes is resurrection. And so when you understand resurrection power, it comes to you and it flows through you so that you can be a blessing to somebody else. Jesus said it like this. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. Life is the third of the threes, which is the greatest. Uh, he said, if you're going to prosper in the kingdom, if you have seed to sow, you're going you're to sow that seed, and the return of the kingdom is you're going to reap 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. The third of the threes is the greatest. 
And so I can go on for an hour telling you about the third of the threes and show you truth in all of that. But for the sake of time, because I got 35 minutes, I got to hurry up. Noah will take an ark and God says, I need you to build the ark. And I need you, the ark to be, I need it to be 30 by 50 by 300. Ah, when you understand that is 30 is the number of sonship. It's also the number of the blood. 50 is the number of the anointing. 300 is the number of divine completeness. And it speaks of Christ and its full glory because Jesus is the complete human. He's, he's a complete human. He's the God-man. He's the God-man who is complete, nothing missing, nothing broken, who is the Son of God, who is anointed. He is the anointed Christ. Moving on, because now Joseph comes on the scene, and Joseph will get three coats. The first one will be given by his father. The second one will be given by Potiphar, and the third one will be given by Pharaoh. It's necessary that you understand these truths. Joseph has to get a coat from his father, and and it has to be stripped, because he is designated not just to rule over his father's house. God has greater things for him, and 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 if it's not taken away, and sometimes it's taken away by people you love and people that are related to you. And it is necessary that they come and take that because you will be satisfied ruling over your father's house when God has greater. And so, therefore, you get Potiphar, and there it is. God wants you to rule over regions and things so that you can be responsible, so that you can be powerful because God is training you to come in to the fullness of the kingdom, which is Pharaoh's court. And you're going to come in second. And God is going to, Pharaoh will give you the the, the ring, he'll give you the coat, he'll give you the cherry, he'll give you the influence, and that is the third of the threes. Now, I say that because now I'm in principle number two, okay? The principle number one, the third of the threes, God lays out truth in three dimensions, okay? The third of the threes is the greatest. Principle number two, the glory of God transforms you from glory to glory, Okay, so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we with, uh, with unveiled face are beholding in the mirror the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, this is what I need you to understand. God in his kingdom and in his purpose and his plan, he has already designated and designed a certain thing. You are made for glory. Whom he foreknew, he called, and then, you know, he eventually glorified. So the glory of God resides where? It's in the temple. It's in the Holy of Holies. You're looking for glory out here, but the glory of God is on the inside of you. But that can't be revealed until truth comes and unfolds and shines light on whatever dark, ignorant thing that we all have. It shines light so that you understand that the glory of God's been there the whole time. And so now you have to understand. So now this is what I want you to get. We with unveiled face, okay, are beholding as in a mirror. So therefore, the mirror is the word of God. The word of God is God himself. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. So here we got is the mirror. We beholding and as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And we're being transformed into the same glory, Jesus from glory to glory. It's not from glory to glory as everybody preaches it. Great preaching, poor theology, because we got to read everything in context. And so what you have to see is that God is wanting the word of God, which is God himself, to begin. When you begin to have a consciousness that is, that is toward God, 
Uh, it moves you into God consciousness because part of the glory of God is that we become a prophetic people. Uh, if you've got the Holy Spirit, if you have the Father, the Son, then that means you're prophetic. Some people say, well, I'm, I'm not prophetic. If you're a Christian, you're prophetic. As long as you've got the Holy Ghost, you're prophetic. So if you're going to be prophetic, which all of you are, if you have the Holy Ghost, if not, we're going to pray for you to get it so that you will have it and you can walk in it. But the thing is, is you're going to have to have a renovated consciousness. You have to make a, a denominational shift in your mind to where you have a shift in your consciousness. Oh, or your awareness, and God is going to move you from sin consciousness to God consciousness. Because as long as you stay in sin consciousness, then you're not going to see yourself the way God sees you. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, when you understand how God works, uh, 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 the law was weak in the flesh. And so God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. Oh, yes, to, to begin to fulfill it, that the righteous requirements of the law may be fulfilled in us. When you understand that powerful truth, you understand that I have to make a shift. I preach ontology at my church. It's the ontological view. It's just the fancy, it's the fancy word, $25 word, to let people know why God exists, where God exists, how God exists, and particularly why he exists. Now, that's ongoing. It's past finding out. Our finite mind can't understand that. But we can grasp who and what and why God is simply by the word. So therefore, we got to have a consciousness shift that God is not seven miles north of Mars somewhere, but that God is near us, even in our mouth. That therefore, when we understand that he is not far from us, but that he is within us, that was the mystery. The mystery that was hidden for ages and generations has now been revealed, Paul said, unto us, which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. So the thing is, is we're called to a glorious state, but if you don't understand truth, you'll never understand it. You'll just be one member coming in, being part of a church, sitting on the pew, and you'll never do anything for the kingdom. But the God doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to understand that you can focus and make your awareness and change and shift your consciousness towards God. When you are God conscious, you, you, you have the fear of the Lord. When you are sin consciousness, you operate in the spirit of fear. It is tremendous. You have to understand this because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound mind. What's that mean? In God's ontological view, he's wanting you to see him how he really is because as he is, so are we supposed to be. Oh, I hear so many Christians in our counseling sessions that tell me who they're not, and this is what their crutch is, and I'm shy, and I'm poor, and I'm, and I'm thinking to, I'm to myself, who told you you were shy? Who told you you were poor? Who told you you were, you were insufficient? And, 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 and when you have to look not just at your family tree, you've got to come into the alignment that that man is dead and come into the alignment of the Word of God and find your godly tree and say to yourself, I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. And if you know that I've been fearfully and wonderfully made, I know that I'm called for purpose. And if I've called for purpose, it's that God has assigned and designed me for a specific task or assignment. And if I can come into assignment, I can come into alignment with other people that have a like faith that will bring me into agreement where power will be released. Oh, 
So there we go. So God will always bring you from something and he will bring you to something. That is principle number two. So remember that God will always bring you from something to something. What kind of God would he do if he just delivered you from something? If you were drowning and I gave you a life preserver, what good is that? I mean, okay, you're not going to drown, but I'm going to leave you there and I'm in the boat. I'm going to take off. Or am I going to go ahead and give you the life preserver so you don't drown? But at the same time, I'm going to pick you up, put you in the boat and take you to shore. That's the God we serve. Religion will maybe at times, if they like you, depending on whether or not where you are in levels of sin, they're going to send you a preserver. But listen, most of the time, they're going to make you drown because you're never good enough, because you never can keep up enough, because the law brings nothing to conclusion, and that is weak. But God in his mercy, and God in his love, and God in his grace will always take you. Deliverance, by the way, isn't casting things out. we got to stop that. All the time, I see everything on Facebook, deliverance, casting things out. The true word of deliverance, I'm a wordsmith, by the way, and I like the etymologies of words. The word deliverance first, in its first position, isn't casting something out. It is birthing something. I knew I was going to get that remark, and I don't really care. The thing, the thing is, is we got to know that when God puts you in a place of deliverance, it's because he's wanting you to birth some things. When you birth some things, there are some things that come out with the very good thing that is in there. Oh, the placenta will come out. There's, I know I've been there. I had, my mom, wife had four kids, but, but I was breathing with her. I was holding and pushing while she was holding and pushing. I about fainted and freaked out too, especially when I saw that head coming out from that crazy little place and it's turning his head. I'm thinking I'm a, I'm a 25-year-old kid going, my God. And I don't care what you said. I don't care if it's your own kid. They're ugly when they come out. You know that to be true. Thank God for a week or two later, they come out and you go, oh, snap, okay. Thank you, Jesus. I was baptized Catholic, and sometimes I did that oh, to all my children. Thank God. You see, my kids, they're beautiful. But God is delivering you from something always to something. Okay, principle number two, 24 minutes. Principle number three, the glory of God always hides the promise. Okay, Proverbs 25, 2. Jesus, this is one of my favorite scriptures. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it's the glory of kings to search out the matter. The word matter there is the word word. The bar is where we get the word word. Okay, it's actually, it's equivalent in the New Testament to logos, okay? So therefore, it's the word. But also the word, word, in the Hebrew means promise. So it is the glory of God, listen to me, it's the glory of God to hide, to plant the promise. But it is the glory of kings, which you and I are, because of the blood he made us kings and priests, it's our responsibility to search out what God planted. So it's our responsibility to search after the promise. But he hides the promise, conceals the promise, not from us, but for us, that in our searching, come on, that in our knocking, the door will be open. That when we ask, things will be given. Oh, yes, that when we seek, that we'll find that. 
He's not the kind of God that if you knock, doors are going to be shut. If you ask, he's not going to give it to you. And when you seek, he's not the kind of God that's going to, you're not going to find him. That's traditional religiosity. And I'm here to tell you that you don't have to live there anymore. You can come. A lot of people will, will honestly teach grace, but they have an Old Testament heart while they're teaching it. They think that it's still God up there with a two by, six, two by four. Some of you two by six. Some of you two by ten, you know, depending on how much you're sinning. And he's up there trying to crack you on the side of the head, waiting for everything. Listen to me. Why is it? Why is it that you don't think God hears you when you pray, but you believe God hears you when you cuss? I don't cuss, but my wife... Every now and then, acts like her mama. I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I gotta stop. Principle number three is, listen, the glory of God always plants, always hides. It always hides the promise, and it's our job to search it out, that in our searching, we find it. Meredith said it's 7,700 promises in the Bible. They're always a yes, never a no. And why is it that people stand in our churches sometimes, still in our pews, they come to hear a good word, but they leave the same way they came in? And it should not be so. It's because they don't understand truth. Truth is laid out in progression. Truth is laid out in three dimensions. And when you can find yourself in the location of truth, that means there are greater things that God is the God of progression that is bringing you to the end. The end of a thing is greater than the beginning, Ecclesiastes says. So when you understand that there is more that God has for you, now regardless of you think of whether you're a five-talent man or a two-talent man or a one-talent man, now I'm coming because now I said all of that to back up into my text, okay? Because Jehokabed uh, is the wife of Abraham, which is Moses' daddy. And they're going to give birth to three people. Miriam will be the oldest. Aaron will be the second oldest. And Moses is going to be the baby. Miriam, everybody hates Miriam because she's a five-talent woman. Have you ever been around five-talent people? They can sing. They can prophesy. They can preach. They can dance. They can play an instrument. You learn to hate those people in the kingdom. It's like, are you serious? Are you crazy? You got five talents, and I, you know, you feel like sometimes you don't have any, let alone one. I know you got at least one because the Bible says that there's five-talent people two-talent people and one-talent people. Most of the kingdom is filled with one-talent people, and one-talent people, you got to be okay with that. Aaron was a two-talent man. The Bible says he was a priest and a prophet, and so it was good. I mean, most people don't hate priests and prophets, but they do hate the five-talent people. But it's amazing. You got to learn to do something with the five talents and the two talents. You got to learn how to do something because when you learn how to do something with it, then God, through the through the through the through the math of the kingdom, begins to bring multiplication. Multiplication in the kingdom happens not when you hold on to it, but when you sow it. Uh, God cannot be mocked. 
because he said, whatsoever a man sows, that's what he will reap. So therefore, when you got five talents and you begin to sow it into hearts that are hungry, God will bring the multiplication that he needs to bring about his purpose all round about you. And so now you got to understand, you got to understand, you got to understand, because this is my, my whole storyline. Because now Jehokabed, by the way, her name means the glory of God. I just told you about the glory of God. Its responsibility is to plant or hide the promise. So Jehokabed, come on, is coming on site. Miriam was born at a good time. Uh, Aaron was good, uh, born at a good time. But Moses now, she is pregnant with Moses. And she's probably praying, I don't know, she's probably praying for a baby girl. Because in the time that they're living in, Pharaoh's calling for every baby boy at the age of three to be killed, to, th to be thrown into the Egypt and to be buried. Jesus, help me. And so she should be, she should be scared like, like the guy in Matthew 25, Lord, I was afraid. So I buried it. There's so many people in the kingdom that come and sit. I'm not talking about you. I'm not even talking about the, the church, maybe down the road somewhere. They got a lot of people that are, that they don't understand. They do not understand their purpose. And so instead of planting something, they bury something. And though at the beginning looked the same, one is the end of a thing and the other one is the beginning of a thing. And so when you understand that, you're not going to be afraid because your consciousness has been shifted from sin consciousness to God consciousness. So when you have God consciousness, you do not operate in the spirit of fear because God has not given to you, come on, a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and of a sound disciplined mind. So now you have the ability to reason with the word. Now you you have the ability by revelation and through the Holy Spirit giving you illumination to the revelation he gives you by the word where you can stand up in the midst of adversity, where you can stand up in the midst of hardship, where you can stand up in the midst of death and look it square in the face because when she gives birth to baby Moses and she sees this eight pounds of love, she has to see something because she's supposed to bury it because the king has made a decree to kill and bury every baby boy. But when she looks at Moses, she says, ah, ah, you do not have the five talents of your sister, Moses. You don't even have the two talents of your brother Aaron. But what I do see, because I am the glory of God, what I do see is I see a one-talent man. And the one-talent man is a deliverer on the inside of you. I see a deliverer. You, so I'm not, I can't, I can't bury you. I can't kill you. I can't do away with you. I've got to create an ark yeah so from the beginning Noah's ark uh, from the ark of the covenant it was all symbolic of Jesus that would eventually become the Christ who it is who is the ark Jesus Christ is the ark of Noah's ark he is the ark of the covenant Woo! and I'm telling you that when Moses's mom began to build it's the glory of God that builds the ark and she began to put purpose she began to build one talent man and put it in glory anytime that you can put your talent inside of Christ Christ is able to do something with it that you can never do by yourself somebody put your hands together right there Woo! am I doing all right okay you breathing okay here we go, here we go, because here's my two-minute sermon. 
two-minute sermon is this. When you understand truth, when you understand the glory of God, okay, and you understand how it works, then God will always take you in your insignificant bad self and put you in himself. And now a miracle always transpires. And here's the miracle. When I was doing the study on this, I began to read on different scholarship and different historians and theologians. And the rabbinic teaching on this is they believe that, you know, Pharaoh and his castle was up on the hill, which most kings did, uh, lived. And everybody else would live down in the valley, always near the river. So... Jehokabed, the glory of God, begins to create an ark. She takes this thing because she sees the potential. She sees the calling. She sees the gift. And she can't bury it because she's not afraid. When you are, when you are a glory carrier, you're not afraid. Because you're more, you're more into having the fear of the Lord than the fear of man. So therefore, you create places and spaces for you to put your one talent into. I got to preach to somebody today because you may seem like you may not have the five talents of Miriam and you might not have the two talents of Aaron, but you know that God has placed something on the inside of you that can't, you can't hide and you can't bury. I've come to tell somebody in here that God picking up, come on, this eight pounds of love Moses and placing you in Christ. And when he places you in Christ, something awesome and uh, 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 something drastic will happen. This is what happens. They believe that when she placed Moses in the ark, that the ark started going upstream and not downstream. When you decide to go ahead and put your one talent in the hands of an anointing, Jesus, because every, every person has a calling, has a gifting, and number three, it has an anointing. When you understand that you can place your gift and your call inside of anointing, the anointing now makes up the difference where you can't make it. Did you get it? So now we, God's going to use now because Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's daughter, uh, right? Or is it daughter or sister? I think it's daughter. She's praying. She can't get pregnant. So she's going to pray to her fertility gods. And God is so cool about this is that he's going to use her prayer for her to make her think that the gods she's praying to, you know, are answering her prayer. But God is saying, I'm not really answering her prayer, though I hear her prayer. But I'm actually, I'm honoring the prayer of Jehokabed because she is the glory of God. So there is glory, come on, in the house that is praying. Intercession, listen, and I said it last night, is not just a time of prayer. Intercession is a, is a position that God holds fast. That you see a gap and you fill it. That's intercession. Intercession isn't you just praying for three hours. Intercession is finding a gap and filling it because it's a position. And when you take your position, it'll change your condition and your situation. So now we got it. She's praying. At the same time, she's praying. Mama's praying. And when Mama is praying and she blesses him, she puts him in the ark. And now something supernatural begins to happen. Now it begins to go cross grain. Now it begins to go upstream and find its place to where she is pr praying. And guess what? Guess what? 
when, when you understand and preserve a talent and you give it, you give it to the unction, when you give the call and you give the gifting and you place it inside of anointing, the anointing knows where to go. The anointing will bring direction and inspiration and it will put you in places and spaces you would never have been before. So therefore, he, he goes to, to the daughter and then she brings him up thinking that her gods have answered her prayer. And that's what? The, the maid knew the mother, so now Moses, the glory of God, is going to nurse Moses, who has the call and the gift and the anointing. And guess what now? Because now Pharaoh was wanting, he made the decree to kill Moses. Now he has to bless Moses. Now he has to raise Moses. Now he has to pay for his tuition. Now he has to instruct him. Now he has to educate him. Now he has to make him a, a weapon of warfare. Now he has to understand how the kingdom begins to work because he's now an adopted son of the kingdom. Because when you can submit your calling and your gifting to an anointing, your anointing makes a way. It breaks yokes, removes burdens. You don't have to get involved. As long as you stay in alignment, you're going to be all right. So I said all of that because some of you are feeling like I'm a one-talent man. I feel insignificant. I said it, at, I said it to the Impact students yesterday. I said... When the, when the children of Israel were coming out of bondage, it's amazing they had faith to come out and they had faith to go through the wilderness. They just didn't have faith to come into the promise. It's the glory of God that hides the promise, conceals it. Somewhere in your journey, you lost the ability to seek. So you have faith to come out, faith to go through, but you don't have faith to come in. And the reason you don't have faith to come in is because somewhere you lost, you lost the, the, the power of insight. Everybody talks about vision, but what good is vision if you don't have insight? As a man thinks, so is he. And so it's important that you change the denomination of how you think. Jesus easily, I think I said this yesterday, but Jesus easily could have been offended by the people that, uh, that excommunicated him out of, the, out of his own church, right? He came to his church. He was preaching. They gave him the scroll. He found the scroll where he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's prophetic, right? We know the whole thing, that he has anointed me. Right? And he begins to go in there. And you know what he does? He says, he goes, he reads it, and there's two chairs up there, one for the priest and one for coming Messiah. So he gets up there, reads it, and then he sits in the middle chair. Boom. This is the rabbinic teaching. And you know what? The people start freaking out. Oh, and by the way, he says, he stands up and he says, oh, by the way, the scripture is fulfilled in your ear and sits back down. That's what got him kicked out of the church so he gets kicked out of the church but he's still on assignment he is the son that knows his call that knows his gifting and knows his anointing and he knows that the anointing will direct him and that and the anointing will always direct him to spaces and places he didn't realize 
And so he says, I found a place between Zebulun and Naphtali. Zebulun, the high place. Ze Ze uh, Ze uh, Naphtali, the place of my wrestling. It's my low place. So between your highs and lows, your in and your outs, God always finds a place called Capernaum. And Capernaum is the place where it's the, the word Capernaum means forgiveness and repentance. God will always set up after he's been kicked out of a religious system because God is bringing forth such an exodus to bringing forth the message and gospel of grace that he establishes that gospel in the place of Capernaum, which is the place of repentance and forgiveness. And there he sets up his ministry. And there, if you read and scholars will tell you, he did more miracles in Capernaum than anywhere else. How am I doing? Doing all right? I got seven minutes. Let me bring this home because my, my heart is that you understand this. I'm going to do this and then I'm going to pray for some people. My assignment was here to help. This, I wasn't going to teach this, but I was awakened about three o'clock in the morning and said, I need you to tell them not to bury their gift, but to plan it, regardless of how, much, how, how you feel. I'm talking to the one-talent people because 80, 90% of the church is that one-talent person, and God can use one-talent people. It is you. You have the power of invite. You have the power of influence. You have the anointing on your side because God has called everybody that exists. He's gifted everybody that exists. And you know what? If you can ever discover the anointing, the anointing will bring you into places and spaces you only could dream of. I conclude with this. There's three boats, three men that get to, three men that get in a boat, three boats that are in a storm. Because whenever God is going to test your faith and to test your gifting and to te test your faith and your gifting and your call, he always will bring you to a storm. Hopefully one day I come back if they call, tell me to, and I want to preach to you about a storm, a thorn, and a cross. They all look the same. But the storm is necessary. So there's three men that get into a boat and three boats that are in a storm. Number one, we know that first one is Jonah. Jonah gets in a boat, and Jonah is out of total God's will. Okay, he's out of God's will. But he gets in a boat, goes to, you know, he goes to the bottom, he goes down to Tarshish, Joppa, he goes down, 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 and then he pays the fare of, and then he goes down into the bottom of it, then they cast lots, and he goes down into the sea. And, and there's one thing that when you're in covenant, when you're in covenant with God, he has always connecting flights, right? I mean, the only, the only free will he had was free willy, right? And it was like, boom, he got in it, boom, he took off. And the re regardless is this, the Jonah, Jonah was out of God's will, okay? But then you got Paul the apostle, he gets in a boat, and he's in a storm, and he is in God's will, okay? The third one is Jesus, he gets in a boat, he is God's will. Here it is. So you have one man that is out of, the, out of God's will, a man who is in God's will, and a man who is God's will. The third of the threes is the greatest. So in the time of storm, Jonah is overcome by the storm, Paul endures the storm, and Jesus controls the storm. What am I trying to say? That in the ontological view of God, through understanding truth that is in three dimensions, and you understand the call and the gift and the anointing, you'll understand the glory that God has instilled for your life. That he brings you from something to something all the time. 
And when you can be okay and shift the denomination of your consciousness from God consciousness, uh, or excuse me, from sin consciousness to God consciousness, nothing will be able to stop you because you're going to operate in the fear of God instead of the fear of man. So now you're able to control the situations and conditions that come your way because storms are not there to annihilate you. Storms are there to test who you are. Sila. I want, to, I want to pray for just a moment. For those of you that are in here, two people, I want to pray for those of you who have felt like a one-talent person, but you have never found your, your significance. The children of Israel came out of bondage through a wilderness into a promised land, or they couldn't get into a promised land because they saw themselves as grasshoppers in their own sight. The word grasshoppers is the Hebrew word insignificance. When you see yourself as a grasshopper, all you're doing is seeing the insignificance. You can't see the call, the gift, and the anointing. And anytime you don't see your significance, you're going to operate in fear because of poor insight. Who told you you were grasshoppers? God told you to conquer the land. Yes, there's giants in it. But that's how you're going to do it because that's how God's plan is. It's never easy. He never promised you roses without thorns. He never promised a whole lot of you that it was going to be easy. Part of calling and gifting and anointing is, you know, is part of crushing, right? You get crushed because that's the only way to get the anointing in your life. Show me a man who has an anointing, and I'll show you a man who's gone through some pain. There's so many people say, man, I wish I, wish I had your anointing. I'm saying, you don't know what I've been through. I wouldn't put what I've been through on anybody. I had my own reproach to carry. I had my own storms to fight, my own thorns to deal with, my own crosses to bear. Many times lonely, many times afraid, many times I wanted to quit. But thank God for truth. Thank God for truth, because truth is in three dimensions. And I'm here to tell you that he was the way in many of the days. And he was the truth. He was the way, the truth, and the life in many of my, my, my prayers. I'm standing here today, and I am what I am simply only by the grace of God. And I'm telling you that I'm a, I feel like a one-talent man, honestly. And if God can use me, he can use you. If you've been struggling, I want to pray for you with your five talent. Because God is wanting to use you, whether it is in your workplace, whether it is your family, whether it is ministry, I don't care where it is, business. God is wanting you to be an influencer. So in the mighty name of Jesus, that you just put your hand on your heart right now. Father, I pray that you would open their eyes, that the spirit of understanding come and enlighten them. Father, that they may know the hope of their call, that they may understand to greater dimensions and levels of their gifting, that the anointing of God would be prevalent in their lives. I declare, Lord, that in this hour, by the working of the Holy Spirit, 
that you would cause them, Father, not just to see, but you would cause them to know and cause them to experience the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So, Father, today I declare over this body that this body is in a season of multiplying and coming into a season of addition. You said that you would bless them a thousand times more. Deuteronomy 11, Father, I prophesy that, that this is the season, Father, where they break through like an arrow that goes through windows, Father, that breaks yokes and removes burdens. So let this be a place where people can come from all over the place, regardless of regions and cities, that, Father, you would bring even the world to them, that from this little place, Father, just like your little place, can any good thing come from Nazareth? Can any good thing come from Old Town? I say, there's a Christ. There is a Christ that will come forth and break yokes and remove burdens. And so, Lord, release my peace in this place. You said, if you find a son of peace to leave your peace, and I leave my peace in this house of peace, and I take with me, Father, their measure, and I leave my measure, and because, because of the both of us, we become better together. If there's anybody here that needs to receive Jesus, your Lord and personal Savior, or commit your life back to the Lord, I'm going to count to three. And at that moment, I need you just to raise your hand and come meet me in front. Number one, two, three. If that's any of you, just raise your hand. I want to lead you to the Lord. Is there anybody there? Is there anybody? <clears throat> awesome. So my responsibility today is your call and your gifting and your anointing is always to compel how you can compel somebody that does not know Jesus is let the spirit of invite come upon you when you can invite somebody and not be scared and not be afraid let boldness come upon you through a word of wisdom a word of knowledge through a, through a word of encouragement I charge you I challenge you in the name of Jesus today Go up from this place. Be the one talent, two talent, five talent person you are and make a difference in your world. See you later, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. It's been a pleasure for Meredith and I to be here with you. Thanks for having us. God bless.